Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,310. Looking far ahead is how you focus on achieving your goals. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from Surprise, Arizona, Mike Adonik. Hey, Mike, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready to go. Let's drop the clutch and do this. All right. Mike Donick is the senior manager at Toyota, responsible for their North American ride and handling R&D activities. He and his team are responsible for developing the ride and handling performance and hardware for all of Toyota's North American developed vehicles. He's worked as a technician for Skip Barber Racing School, spent a season in NASCAR, and went into the automotive engineering specializing in vehicle dynamics. Mike has raced sports cars, formula cars for over 19 years and participates in vintage racing events, vintage car rallies, and hill climbs in one of his many cars, including an Allard K3, a 66 Morgan Plus 4, and his latest project, a Porsche 911 Hot Rod. I want to hear about that one. So Mike, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little more? about your business and your passion for automobiles. Sure. I grew up as a passionate automotive enthusiast from a super young age. So my father was a vintage racer and still is and started bringing me to the track when I was about three or four years old. He vintage races Allard's and had the same Allard K2 for the last, let's see, I'm 40, so probably 45 years and still actively races it. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. I mean, they... You know, talk about seat time. Uh, obviously, got that thing dialed in. Yeah, and I actually, he lets me drive it now. So I uh, I enjoy running that thing as well. He's moved on to a J2, which is just a little bit quicker. But yeah. we have a lot of fun battling back and forth on the track together. So it's kind of a good father-son bonding activity. I love it. I love it. Well, we're going to learn a lot more about you and all the fun you're having in your life and your career. But first, as we continue on this journey, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote. Or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. And it's a really nice way to get the inspirational tire smoking, I should say, here on Cars. Yeah. So, Mike, take the wheel. Sure. So, I think for me, it's kind of a simple one, but it's got a couple of versions either look far ahead or look where you want to go. Um, mm. I think I first heard this when I was working at Skip Barber, probably almost daily from one of the instructors there, Bruce McGinnis. He usually explained yeah. about this just after telling a story about a guy at Bridge Hampton who always put his helmet on backwards. Um, <laughs> I think it's really relevant because it applies to driving. I mean, racing, how you, how you drive the vehicle, but it really applies to life. So for me, I've always been kind of a goal setter and looking far ahead is how you focus on achieving your goals for me. So ever since I was probably 10 years old, I knew I wanted to be in the automotive and motorsports fields. And I really wanted to design cars I set that goal at a super young age and then just started looking at what did I have to do to get there and does this activity get me closer to my goal or does it not help? And looking far ahead, looking where you want to go, I think is really critical in being successful in life. You know, I love the way that that concept translates from racing to life. And you're exactly right. When I did my driving school to get my racing license because I raced vintage cars, it was a Laguna sake. And I remember... The guy always, the symbol on the corners, he's put his hand under his chin, head up, head up, head up, look out, look out ahead, look out ahead, not right in front of you. 
uh, because by the time you look in front of you, same with life, you're already there. So <laughs> look out ahead of you. And uh, yeah, I think it's wonderful. Yeah. And I think even in life, sometimes it's easy to get distracted by you know the latest crisis or the latest problem. But if you look at you know where it is you really want to end up and what's important, it'll help you prioritize and you'll eventually get there. Well, and especially true when you're riding motorcycles. I don't know if you ride motorcycles, but I've ridden lots of bikes in the past. And my gosh, looking up, looking ahead where you want to go instead of uh, that car that is about to hit you or the tree that's around the corner or something. Uh, definitely uh, accurate in all respects. I love it. Well, would you share a story that instigated your personal passion for cars? Growing up in a family with a dad who was into cars obviously kind of struck you at a young age, as you said, but was there a pivotal moment in you when you realized, you know what, just like dad, I'm going to be a car? Yeah, you know, I think for me, it's it's one of two things. I mean, I always grew up at the track. Uh, my father moved around a lot for his work. So every three years, we lived in a different town or state or actually sometimes different country. Our home for me was really Lime Rock Park. Um, I'd grow up in the paddock and you know, playing with matchbox cars in the dirt since I was probably three or four years old. And it was the, the one constant in my life that I always came home to. But I think if I pick a specific point in time, it was probably 1990. My father had a business trip to Paris and we were already living overseas at the time um, on the third week of June. And so we went over, I tagged along this business trip and we took the train out to to catch Lamar. So we got to Lamar early Saturday morning. We brought little backpacks and those plastic space blankets, you know, where you could just sort of wrap yourself in. We watched the race, slept under the bleachers. And I think something about just being there next to the track, the energy, that race that year was pretty fantastic. The Jags won, but probably the biggest story of it, for me anyway, was there was a Porsche 962 that was running in second place pretty much the whole race. Um, it was the Repsol car. I forget which team was oh. running it. 15 minutes from the end of the race, they put the team owner in and he blew the motor. Oh, no. And, <laughs> so this is the 24 hours of Le Mans. You're running second overall yeah. and you blew the motor. And I think that lesson to me got me hooked on motorsport and endurance racing and how, A, you don't want to be that guy. And no. B, you've got to do everything perfectly all the way to the end. Even when it looks like you've got it all locked up, you know, it can be gone in an instant. You know, in endurance racing, it's a lot like restoring a car. The first 80, 90%, I won't say it's easy, but you get there and it's that last 10, 5%. If you don't do it right, all that hard work beforehand falls apart. But at least it was the owner. So nobody could really, you know, come down on him. It's like, well, that's the boss, I guess, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the lesson there is don't put the boss in the car next time. Maybe that's the bright side. Yeah. Oh um, gosh. How horrible. I can't, you imagine but, how he felt. Yeah. I can, I can imagine pretty terrible because you're probably also under a little different pressure being the owner versus a, a higher driver. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, what a wonderful experience to have with your dad and at, at a venue and a, an iconic venue like that and sleeping under the bleachers. I mean, that obviously that stayed with you your whole life. For sure. Even I remember the sound, like we went to church on Sunday morning. And at that point, the Mazda 9, was it 9767Bs were running, and they were about 10 times louder than any other car on track. And they'd actually have to stop the service every lap as the <laughs> Mazda went by because it was just that loud. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that funny? I was like living under, uh, I had friends that live near airports, and you go have dinner with them, and every time a plane takes off, you stop talking while you're eating dinner. The plane passes, and you start talking. I just remember looking at my wife going, I never want to live here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I guess you get used to it, but uh, that's pretty funny. Well, I don't think God really cared that much. I'm sure he was uh, okay with that, at least yeah, in church fun. on a Sunday morning at Lamont. That's pretty cool. 
Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down, Mike, and talk about a big challenge or a big failure that you faced along the way. The reason I like this question is it's all about what the lesson taught you and how you came out of it. So more importantly, uh, you know, what you learned from it and how you overcame that situation. So tell us about a specific experience and tell us how it helps you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your career, your life, or your business. You know, I think for me, um, it'd probably be an experience that happened pretty early on while I was still in uh, in college. So after working for Skip Barber, I went and did a season uh, working on a NASCAR Bush North team as a technician. Up until that point, I always thought I wanted to be in motorsport, right? This is this is what I wanted to do. This this is my life's direction. I loved cars, but I thought motorsport was going to be the, the thing. I wanted to drive and I wanted to be an engineer. There's not a lot of people that do both effectively. Uh, there's a couple, but not a lot. So what I learned doing this season with, with NASCAR is our team was a kind of a mid-pack team. We were trying really hard. Uh, our driver was Brett Rubenek, a great guy, and he's, he's still involved in uh, actually now the automotive testing industry. We would work literally 80 hours a week, pretty minimal pay, right? You had to do it because you loved it. And I remember, especially one race, we were getting ready for, I think it was just a three-eighths mile at Stafford Speedway. And it's a you know little asphalt track. We'd literally worked probably 80 hours up until the race. And the last two nights before the race, I didn't go home, right? We just slept at the shop. We get there, we get everything ready. You know, we're, we're doing everything the best we could do. And we didn't even qualify for the main event. And then we had to turn oh, around no. and go home. And kind yeah. of the like deflated emptiness you get out of that really changed my mindset a little bit on putting everything in, into motorsport. The rest of the season, we did great on the um, road courses. We struggled a little bit on the ovals. But I was driving into work probably the weekend after that race. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Lakeville or the Lime Rock area, but there's this little little fuel pump on the way to Lime Rock. And there was a guy driving a spec neon at the time. And he was mm-hmm. driving his race car to the racetrack. And at that point, I realized, you know, I think I'd be happier working, developing uh, cars for the automotive industry and being able to race on my own as a hobby versus yeah. putting everything into motorsport and always watching somebody else behind the wheel. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, when I was vintage racing, I mean, it was just so much fun. And yeah, it took up a lot of energy and time and some money. <laughs> it was yep. expensive, but uh, it was certainly was enjoyable. And now with all the different venues through SCCA or even the the 24-hour of lemons or those races. I mean, there's so many different ways you can go racing that are not perhaps as expensive as the kind of cars I was driving back in the day. But uh, I understand completely. I've had a lot of racers on the show, a lot of people who work on race teams. It is a grueling, grueling business. That's why I don't think you don't see too many old folks doing that because it just, it beats you up. Yeah, you've, you've got to love it and you got to be able to balance it so you can still keep that passion and love without burning out. Well, let's uh, have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special vehicle. Maybe it was the first vintage car you raced. Maybe it's the first car that you got that was had great meaning for you. Uh, if you could share some special memories you have about that ride. Yeah, probably my first really special car is a car I still have, which is my 53 Allard K3. So this car um, I've wanted since I was about 10 years old. And not just wanting an Allard K3, I wanted this Allard K3. When we used to race, my dad would tow his car on a trailer and we'd always go to the track. But he had this one friend, John Shefflin, who would drive his race car to every single track we went to. And sometimes, you know, this would be a 10-hour drive. And he's driving, he either had a, he had a three-liter Bentley and then he had this uh, Allard K3. And I always thought his Allard was the coolest thing ever. He drove it everywhere. He used to give me rides up around, uh, I remember up around Manchester, Vermont, like going out to dinner and stuff. And at the time for a 10-year-old kid, it was seemed like we were going Mach 2. We were flying in that thing. 
I also appreciated the fact that it was a little rough around the edges and he, he drove it everywhere. It was kind of this, this simple thing. And then he actually was daily commuting in it um, and finally backed it into a snowbank and sort of took it out of commission for a while. And I purchased it from him when I was 21, 22. Um, and I think he gave me a good deal. But I've had the car ever since and I, I absolutely love it. It's sort of an extension of extension of my personality. I've slowly rebuilt it over the years. It's always been on the road. It's never been off the road for more than maybe six months at a time. And it's it's not perfect. If I was building the perfect Allard K3, it would be nothing like this one. But at the same point, I can't change any of the bad stuff on it because it's it's part of the car and I wouldn't recognize it if it was any different. Now, the the K3 was kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, it was a little more civilized version than the models that came before it. Because the ones before it were, I won't say rough, but they were very sporting and very much like almost, well, they were like race cars. Do I have the idea right? I'm trying to, in my mind, envision yeah. it's a, the fenders aren't as bulging. The sides are a little more flat down the sides. It's, it kind of looks a lot like a European sports car or a little convertible. So it's tough to call any Allard really civilized, but um, <laughs> the K3 changed from having like separate, um, most of the race cars prior to it, the J2s, J2Xs had cycle fenders, kind of like a Lotus 7. And then the previous K series, which the K series was meant to be their sports car, the J series was the race car. Uh, the K series had still separate fenders, but they were sort of like the big bulbous fenders like you'd see on a, you know, a 40s American car or something. And the K3 was a big departure for Allard because it went from having a ladder frame and a kind of separate fender and body like a like a Morgan or something to having an envelope aluminum body and a steel tube frame. Actually, for its time, it was very advanced. It's got a DDR rear suspension, inboard drum brakes in the rear, and this wonderful uh, 365 cubic inch Cadillac V8 that <laughs> in a light little aluminum bodied car really yeah. makes it fly in a straight line. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, that's what's great about those things. Well, how about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle you've let go? Obviously, you've hung on to that. Your dad hangs on to cars. So there's a trend here I see in your family, which I love. But is there a vehicle you've let go that you do wish you had back? Yeah, you know, I do a fair number of projects. I love learning about different cars, and I love taking something that's kind of neglected and fixing it up. And I can't keep everything, so I end up selling quite a few of them. And probably the one I, I regret the most was the first really big successful project I ever did, which was another Allard K3. My car is serial number 3176. And when I lived in Michigan, I found the consecutive serial number car, 3175, in oh, a guy's yes. garage two miles from my house. Wow. And it had been taken apart for probably 30 years. And we restored that one with uh, with another good friend of ours, Mike Ticola. We restored it probably just the way I'd want my K3 to be if I was reinventing it. It was this deep, dark blue with a burgundy interior, chrome wires, white walls, and then a, a 331 Hemi that had been built by some guys from the old Ram Chargers drag racing team in, in Detroit. And it was a, it was a heck of a car, and I, I kicked myself for, for letting it go. I couldn't, I couldn't afford to keep it in the day, though. Yeah. Well, let me ask you something with these cars, because when I look at them and I think about the power plants that are in the cars, I go, my gosh, how do those things handle? Because they just seem like you'd be a beast with all that power and this light weight around you. What's your impression, the driving impressions of the car? I really enjoy them, but probably the closest thing um, I can put it analogous to would be circle track racing. So if you've ever driven a dirt track stock car, an Allard on asphalt feels like a dirt track stock car on dirt. Really? Um, wow. You steer it with the throttle. It's always sideways. <laughs> it's not very precise. But it's 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 a lot of fun and under braking it well it doesn't break very well to start with and it's it's not very stable. Plan ahead. 
Think ahead, exactly. just like you said earlier in our talk. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would love for you to talk a little bit about what has you excited and fired up in your world today. I know because you work for a major manufacturer, Toyota, great brand. Uh, you can't talk about what you do there because you're developing new things. I understand that. But what has you excited and fired up in your automotive world these days, Mike? Well, I, as you mentioned, I can't get too involved into the specific projects we're working on, but I really enjoy developing better ride and handling vehicles for Toyota. And I think as people get out there and start driving some of the new Toyotas, Toyota's always had a reputation as being about as reliable as anything you could imagine. And now we're prioritizing really having class-leading ride and handling performance as well. And some of the new projects we just finished that I can talk about would be things like the new Avalon, which is just, it's a big front-wheel drive sedan. You wouldn't expect that this would be a, a great handler, but actually if you get in and drive it, it's really fantastic. So getting seeing some of the, the hard work put in to prioritize ride and handling and now seeing it roll out in our new on our newly launched vehicles, I find really satisfying. But probably a specific thing is I really also enjoy growing people and team members' capabilities. So for my role there, I manage a team of, it ranges in size right now, it's nine engineers who are responsible for developing all these projects. Especially as we get new, younger engineers in, it's challenging to get them really passionate about cars and engaged in the process. Um, if you can imagine, somebody might be working on, say, a minivan, and maybe they're working on developing the shock absorber tuning. And that might be, you know, that might be a year of work for somebody just on that one aspect and how to get them kind of broad exposure to the vehicle. A few years ago, we started an employee um, endurance racing team. And really? I really enjoyed, yeah, I really enjoyed this side project. We're That's racing cool. A, we're racing the Toyota 86 in the NASA West Coast Endurance Racing Championship. And I think this is now our fourth season, fifth season. And we've got about 25% of the team members that are at our R&D location at the Proving Ground here in Arizona actively involved in it. And we've got guys that are really growing because of it. Um, a lot of, you know, as you know, motorsport has a very strict timeline, right? It's the green flag drops, then you start racing. There's no, oh, I need, I need another couple hours to get this done. So the project management skills that guys are learning so that we get everything done right on time is fantastic. And then a lot of the technical skills, because, you know, if we're doing, you know, absorber tuning or steering tuning on a new vehicle, you know, you can only turn the knobs so far because we're in a pretty pretty narrow range with a development vehicle. But on a race car, you can change things a, a large amount and see that instant performance benefit. And it's also a very clear task, right? There's not a, a trade-off. It's simply what makes it go fast. If it doesn't make it go fast, it's not worth doing. And so like we've that. I've seen the, the growth on a lot of our team members from this. And I, I really love it. And um, the team's done great. You know, we started out and everybody was still learning and we were kind of mid to back of the pack. And then mm -hmm. we uh, have made it so we, we won the championship last year. We've won the first two races of the season this year. And our goal this year really is to win the 25 hours of Thunder Hill. We, we attempted it last year, and we pull on a fourth driver to our team for that race, Randy Popes, who I think has been a guest on your show before. Oh, my gosh, yeah. You've got a ringer there. Yeah, and he's a ringer, and it, it's fun working with Randy because, man, that guy just – he, he wants to drive anything and he, we love working with him. We work with him a little bit through some of our development projects as well. And, um, it gets all of our team members excited because Randy's got a certain energy about him. That's just fantastic. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, he is. And awesome. so we drove with him last year. Unfortunately, we had a, a mechanical DNF. We've gone back and analyzed the heck out of that and know that that specific thing will never happen on our race car again. And Randy's mm -hmm. going to come back and drive with us again. Uh, this year's 25 hour and we're putting everything we have and trying to go for the win. Oh, that's very cool. I wish you guys the best. Yeah, for those listeners that missed my talk with Randy, you can go back and find his show on the Cars Yet website. 
great guy. I mean, the guy, every time I'm on social media, the guy's driving something different somewhere. I mean, he's just all over the place. And the seat time he has, that's why I say he is the ideal ringer. I'm sure the competition goes, hey, wait a minute. You can't have him on your team. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, when my, my wife and I were dating, she was driving a, I think it was a 74 Toyota Celica GT manual car. I loved that car. Oh, it was just so cool. It's one of those cars that I think over time, and now that we're seeing more Japanese cars kind of make their way into the vintage car world and Concours events and things like that. In fact, the most recent sports car market magazine I just got in the mail uh, has a cover about uh, in the auction circles that Japanese cars are starting to make a, uh, a presence. I think it was a Toyota Supra they have in there, but uh, that was a great car. Uh, I'd always even like to have it back. I love the way it looked. Yeah, it's interesting how popular some of the older Japanese cars are getting now. I mean, the Supras have gotten, they're, they're outside my price range now. The uh, the other one, the 2000 GT, some of the, the classic Toyotas are just, they were great cars, but they're, they're super valuable now too. Yeah, well, that car just had a motor that would not die. It was just incredible. And when we sold it, it had some rust issues because back in those days, of course, you know, the bodies weren't really galvanized and everything, and that was the problem with it. But the motor and tranny were just, Maybe this is a manual. I don't know. My wife's very easy on cars. She's a little, well, a lot easier than I am on cars. Whenever I drive her car, she goes, hey, stop driving like that. This is my baby. So I have to kind of tone things down. But I love driving that car. It was great. Well, Mike, up next is the last lap before we put the pedal to the metal. Let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, fellow automotive enthusiasts. You know I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products since 1975. That's right, all the way back to my high school days. Want to keep your vehicle's exterior and interior looking new? It's easy with a Covercraft car cover. A car cover is the best way to keep your vehicle looking great for years to come. Car covers protect your paint from fallout, birds, dust, rain, insects, and pollen. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. I use my Covercraft car covers every single day. Right now, you can get 10% off all Covercraft custom car covers or their ready-fit car covers. Plus, they offer you over 15 quality fabrics to choose from. Their spring sale is from April 15th through June 16th, 2019. Order direct at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars yeah website at com. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? It's a weekly visit to some of my past Cars Yeah podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Cars Yeah TV is making its mark. Cars Yeah TV is available on Mav TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find Mav TV on Direct TV. Fubo TV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through 
Lucas Oil Racing Television online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, Mike, we are back, and I have a very introspective question for you. If you uh, woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle parked in the garage, not what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself manifested into a car, what would Mike be and why? You know, it's an interesting question, and I think um, I think I'd probably pick a Morgan. I've okay. got an old. Well, you have one of those, right? Four, and for me, the Morgan is uh, it's a little old fashioned. It's super reliable, and occasionally it'll sort of punch above its weight class a little bit. Um, it beat the 550 Spiders at Lamar back back in the day, mm-hmm. and I think there's something about just the simplicity that they're so reliable because it's nothing to go wrong, and the little bit of kind of peculiar old fashionedness that's. That's kind of how I am. I think I'm a little bit of an old soul, a little bit peculiar, but generally reliable. Well, it's a nice combination of your passion and love for old cars and your technology-centered focus for building very reliable cars with Toyota and designing those. So I think that's a nice uh, nice blending, very nicely done. Well, we are entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the Morgan Throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? You know, probably for my dad, and I think he reminds me of it daily, and that's simply to keep the shiny side up. You never want to crash. Do what you can not to. Absolutely. Especially in a vintage car. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they can be dangerous. One of the events we do every year is the Mount Equinox Hill Climb, which is about the biggest adrenaline rush you can ever have. Yes. But also, when you're in an Allard that's not exactly a, a safe vehicle to crash in, no. doing over 100 miles an hour across the saddle, it's... It's really scary, and it reminds you to just keep a little bit of safety reserve. You sent me a video of you driving. In a, was that the hill climb that, that you're talking about, that you were in a hill climb? Yeah, yeah, the Mount Equinox hill climb. We do yeah. that every year with, with the Allards, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. You set a good time on that, that run, too. Nicely done. That was very cool. But those hill climbs, they can be a little gnarly. I did one in my Lotus 18. I had a Formula Junior I raced, and, uh, boy, you did not want to go off the side of the road on a hill climb. No. No. I, a I, like I that. Seen- or a Morgan. I've seen some bad stuff there, and it's um, luckily there's there's never been a fatality in the VSCCA there, but you don't want to crash there. No, throttle goes both ways. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? You know, I think for me, it's kind of simple that I don't stop moving. Whether I'm moving the right direction or not, maybe sometimes I'm going backwards, but I never stop moving. So uh, no matter what kind of roadblock I hit or challenge, I just keep going. I keep trying to look far ahead, and I don't stop. And, you know, eventually... Eventually, you just get there. Yeah, absolutely. Keep the pedal to the metal, as they say. Would you share a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy? You know, if they want to follow any of our motorsports activity, there's TAPG Motorsports. TAPG Motorsports. It stands for Toyota. Yep, stands for Toyota Arizona Proven Ground. There we go. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure we get it right. And it's on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. Great. I'll make sure I'll follow that today. Now, if you could uh, sit down and have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that be? You know, I was thinking about this, and the irony is, when I was a kid, I actually sat down and had breakfast with this individual, but I didn't know didn't know enough then to ask the questions I'd love to ask now, and that's Zor Arkis Duntoff. For me, I find him fascinating. I lived in the Soviet Union for a while, and so I appreciate his Eastern European background. Um, he started off as an Allard racer. That's that's where he got a lot of his initial racing success. He developed the Ardun cylinder heads for flatheads just so he could make his Allard go faster. The other big part is, you know, he's a racer at heart. He's had all these great racing accomplishments, but he also navigated the General Motors kind of corporate world 
very effectively and got a lot done kind of with the Corvette and with motorsport with GM. And I, I think I could probably learn a lot from talking to him a little bit about both my personal interests, my kind of career coaching. So he'd be a guy I'd really love to sit down and have a drink with. You know, I'm really surprised that I believe you're the first guest who's mentioned him to sit down and have a drink with. Um, I'm kind of surprised at that because of what he did, but there's so many incredible people. There's so many options, but I love his connection to Allard. I didn't know that. So very cool. That's where he got to start. Actually, Carol Shelby got to start in Allard's too, just a little factoid. Well, Carol Shelby is the second most mentioned person when I asked that question. The first is Henry Ford. So uh, ah, I would have gone yeah. with Dan Gurney. Well, there's another one. Yeah, boy. And I, I had him scheduled three times to be a guest here on Cars Yeah, and he was not doing very well last year, a couple of years of his life, and we had to keep canceling because he was ill, and then we lost him, of course, and I really, really uh, wish I would have been able to get him on. I had the, the luxury of sitting down and talking to him at the Quail event years ago. Yeah, he had a book there that he was doing signings, and I sat down next to him. We chatted for a little bit. Just the nicest guy. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say anything negative about Dan Gurney. He's just an incredible guy. Yeah, if I could have picked two, he'd be the other name on the list. Yeah, I'm hoping soon to have his uh, one of his sons on the show, so that'd be pretty great. How about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy? You know, there's probably two, two of my favorites. One would be The uh, Unfair Advantage by Mark Donahue. I just love, I love, I love everything about Mark Donahue and that book especially is, I think, a good primer for anyone that wants to go into motorsport or engineering or driving. Um, that sort of covers it all. And then the other one, um, that I spent a lot of time pouring through was, uh, Race Car Vehicle Dynamics by Bill Milliken Sr. He's a very interesting guy. I was fortunate enough to meet him a few years ago at Mount Equinox. But if you're into making cars go faster, that's the book to read. Great books. I'll remind our listeners you can find these books on Mike's show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. Just go there and type in Mike Adonick, D-O-N-I-C-K, and that page will pop right up. There's another great place on the website there called Guest Recommended Books, where these books and uh, well, way over a 1,000 books are listed there. I've made it really easy for you to click and buy them. A nice way to uh, fill the shelves on your automotive library. Mike, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy, especially considering you have some cars you've had for so long. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car, vintage race car, doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to grab hold of it, park it in your garage so you can have some fun with it. But there's a couple rules to this game. I know you've listened to our show before, so you you know what they are. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. You have to drive it. I don't think that's a problem for you. No garage queens here, but here's the kicker. It's the only collector car you have in your garage so choose wisely yeah that's that's a tough one because i think my k3 will probably never leave my hands while i'm still breathing the other one that really appeals to me i'd you know if i could test drive while well, i had this one choice i'd want to test drive a uh a 91730 but i probably oh. couldn't keep that in the garage um, <laughs> but my grandfather actually on my mother's side he had a uh a 63 ferrari 250 gt lusso berlinetta he sold it before I was born. And he was so proud because I think he bought the car for like $900 or $1,200. Oh and he sold it for like 4000 And he, yeah. you know, he more than doubled his money. and was ecstatic. I would love to track that car down if I could ever afford it. But I think, you know, I probably have a hard time parting with my K3. So I think my, my LRK3 would be the one that I keep. Well, you know, I love it when I have guests who already have the car they love. First and foremost, I don't have to buy a car today. I bought a lot of cars, <laughs> so it gets very expensive. So I'm happy for that. But, you know, I'm, I'm really more happy 
that you have your dream because not too many car guys and gals do. They're always lusting after something, me included. There's always something else out there we wish we could have, and it's typically something just way out of reach. Of course, a Ferrari Lusso, 917, 30, I mean, those are all very, very expensive cars. So, uh, But I'm very happy that you have the car you have, and you get out and enjoy it and drive it even better. Uh, it's a shame when people have the car of their dreams and they just don't drive them. So uh, kudos to you, Mike. You have taken us on a great ride. I know being a driver and a racer, this is going to be fun. I really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Could you offer us a little piece of guidance or wisdom before you rip off down the track in that Allard K3? Well, Mark, I really enjoyed speaking with you. I guess the only wisdom I'd have is figure out what you want to do, set your sights on it, and then go straight towards it and don't don't take any detours. Follow your dreams. Keep the head up. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and what you're doing? You know, probably, um, as I mentioned, you follow our motorsports on TAPG Motorsports. I'm on Instagram as AllardK3. And uh, probably the best way to follow me is those two routes. There you go. I'll make sure I put links to those on Mike's show notes page so you can uh, keep track of them on the track and you can keep track of what they're doing there at Toyota, uh, making uh, great strides building fantastic cars and, uh, of course, involved in all sorts of aspects of motorsports and cars and all sorts of things. So check them out. Listeners, you can find links to everything we've shared here today on Cars Yeah. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Mike Donick, and that page will pop right up. Hey, Mike, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, your sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. This has been fun. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. And go Toyota. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.